Welcome. Right. <laughs> so you're joining myself, Philip Distin, I am the dummy, and of course, Dr. Caroline Iskovitz, who is the intelligent one out of the two of us. <laughs> yes. So this, oh yeah, 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 so she's already admitted she's an intelligent one out of the two of us. Um, so oh, this, is episode, <laughs> this is episode two, um, and we've titled this one, The Elephant in the Room, because there is an elephant in the room, the fact that actually yesterday, yesterday was the first time that me and the doctor had ever spoken, and that was via Instagram, because as you can tell from my voices, I am from the UK, and, and I am from, from the US. <laughs> there you go, she's from Florida. So she lives in the sun, and I live in the rain, so that's always... Um, great for me not um but yeah so i actually looked back back yesterday well actually i looked back today for this podcast and we spoke a month ago yesterday via instagram Mm -hmm. which is how we met (laughs) yeah that's how we met so that's kind of the elephant in the room so we've never actually physically met um Mm -hmm. i've no idea where in florida um because you have all those numbers, postcodes, South Florida. <laughs> so we've never actually physically met, but um, we kind of connected on Instagram through, I think you liked one of my posts and I sent you a message mm-hmm. about my business as we've discussed with both entrepreneurs um, and then you were contacted. Great, I've got my own business, but let's see if we... And mm-hmm. I think it was going to be Facebook Live. I think that was your suggestion. Yeah, yeah. I was like, let's do a Facebook Live so we can bring value to our each other's groups. And then you had come up, you had been talking about doing a podcast, and we decided to connect over a Zoom call first to discuss the Facebook Lives. And then um, I know you, and I'm sure you'll talk about this soon too. But being able to do a podcast was something that you really wanted to do, and I didn't know. I had that opportunity until it was presented. Um, that's something I wanted to do for sure. But when you presented it, I was like, yes, let's do this because it's something that I wanted to do. I just didn't know it was possible this soon. Yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, the podcast was my suggestion. It's something I've looked at. Um, anyone that follows me know that I, I listen to a lot of podcasts from Joe Rogan to Tim Ferriss to um, all sorts that are on there, Ben Greenfield Fitness. And I've always thought, you know, podcasts are a really great way to connect with people, to give some value back. Um, I mean, I, I try to give as much value back as I can by my social media on Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook. But I just think, you know, when people are out driving, I mean, this is when I listen to podcasts. When I'm in my car, podcast goes on. No radio. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if I'm on a long drive, I will put some music on, um, but it's my choice. It's never the radio. Uh, radio over here is just boring nowadays. Um, I don't listen mm-hmm. to chart music i don't follow popular culture music as much um mm-hmm. in fact the last time i listened to the radio justin bieber was still popular so i don't know if he still is or not i don't, uh, know. I don't know i don't listen to the radio <laughs> either so no so yeah so um my, my taste in music is a bit more heavy so i'm into rock and metal music so um that's mm-hmm. kind of what i listen to if i am but podcasting has always been something i've listened to and obviously with my dog walking business it's great for me to be out in the woods with the dogs chuck the headphones on and just drift off into an educational world i mean some are funny some are educational some are just mind-blowing um, and i just think that was something that i wanted to do and i'd never had the opportunity or i'd not say i didn't have the opportunity i've looked into it uh, researched which ways to do it and the app we use which is anchor.fm where you can find us i actually mm-hmm. found on social media again via our instagram it was um, gary v that talked about anchor mm-hmm. fm so it's the simplest way it's on the go and you can just do it and I thought, well, that's great. And I can invite people in. Brilliant. So we were looking to do interviews, um, long yes. going. And then I started mentioning mm-hmm. this to the doctor. And she was like, 
do you know what? I really want to do a podcast as well. And here we are, a month later, we've done, this is the second one, we've already done one after three weeks of knowing each other. Um, we're kind of hoping that the balance is right, um, and we're learning as we go, I think, because there is a lot of technical issues. We probably will, we've just discussed, we'll probably do a bloopers one, because sometimes we have to stop recording because we don't know what we're doing, whether it's working, what sound's going on, whether we're tuned in, because we're, we're kind of through an iPad video call as well, so we can see each other, and so we don't talk over each other too much, hopefully. But yeah, so that was Definitely. kind of mm-hmm. where we are. Yeah, and the whole point too of the podcast, like being able to bring value, but also um, I was going to lose my train of thought. But yeah, I think just being able to connect and understand how we could bring value. And I'm just so glad like there is like technology like Anchor and to be able to invite people and have interviews. But I think just the cool aspect is that you're Phil's from the UK and I'm from the US and being able to collaborate is just such a great opportunity and to be able to reach the masses essentially. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that we are from that time zone difference and there doesn't seem to be a delay. My biggest concern in doing this was <laughs> I would talk and then there'd be a 10 second, you know, like phone calls. And sometimes when you phone foreign country, you have to mentally tell yourself, well, wait three seconds for the reply, but there doesn't seem to be one on this. So mm-hmm. now it's gone smooth. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty good. So that's kind of, I suppose one of the elephants in the room. So obviously we are kind of, from different sides of the world um pretty much similar western cultures but there will be a lot of difference between myself and the doc um so we'll we'll probably come across those things um from political views probably to educational views to dietary views um and all sorts of different things because i've just actually come back from america i was in las vegas which i know is not you can't judge america on vegas it's not it's not (laughs) yeah you can no um so but I love Vegas. I've always said I love Vegas. It's kind of like my, I like to call it my second home now. I think it's kind of where I feel I can just walk around, be me and, and, and fine. And I can, it just, I don't know, it just feels natural to walk around Vegas, which sounds really weird because yeah. Vegas is the most unnatural place on earth, apart from <laughs> probably Dubai or somewhere they just make rain clouds. Um, but yeah. it's just, to me, you can just walk around, you can walk around, like people say, what's your, hotels but it's just I think there's so much more to it and I do like the people there are really good um mm-hmm. always great atmosphere and they love the British out there so that's always good there you go is that why you feel like you are able to like just walk around and feel so comfortable like with the people the energy that you experience there yeah I, th- I think yeah, the energy is great I mean okay it's I, I kind of go for a week and it's, most times I've been, I've been for a week, which everyone, when they tell you, you are crazy to go to Vegas for a week, um, but I don't gamble. So I'm not, going, I'm not going for a week of gambling. It's not like I'm going to lose all my hard earned money, but um, they kind of, they kind of, I think America's it's, it's like a weekend playground for America yeah. and you can see that. So we, I normally go from Sunday to Sunday or around that sort of time because a, it's cheaper to do that. Um, mm-hmm. for most of us and then you can kind of see the atmosphere change so come Wednesday that picks up a little bit Thursday's a little bit busy then Friday Saturday is obviously the nights where it's really busy where the Americans have come in um, and they come to gamble come to party and come to enjoy themselves but there doesn't ever seem to be a negative bad atmosphere there now there probably is in some of the casinos when people are losing but I don't spend a lot of time in the casinos you know I we eat out a lot we have a lot of restaurants and we I normally go there with my business and my team um, mm-hmm. so the team bonding's really good and you just, they just, I don't know, they just love the British as well. It, it's, mm-hmm. America is much more an open culture, we find, um, when we go there. People are happy to talk to you. 
You can walk around the UK in the shopping centre here and nobody will talk to you. Yeah, in America, you can just ask somebody a question. You'll have a full conversation for 20 minutes, um, you know, which is I, great. I, don't... Mm-hmm. I was just well, going to say, like, I feel like it depends on the location of where you are, because like Vegas is very open. But like certain areas, maybe like New York, everyone's on the go and really fast paced. and You don't really stop and talk. And this is just a generalization. This isn't everybody. But even in L.A., in some parts where I used to live in California, a lot of people like are open to like talking some people like have want nothing to do with you so I think like it depends on the energy too that you're bringing because like if you're open like body language like come talk to me it's more open you know I think that's just the difference yeah I think yeah I think that's I think that's the same I think we all say that about London so London is Mm. obviously a very busy vibrant on the go city multicultural Mm -hmm. um and everybody says if you get the tube you're not going to speak to anyone while you're on the tube um and Mm -hmm. I know that's kind of I've seen like some random videos of Keanu Reeves on the underground, um, surprisingly, who seems to be the nicest actor on planet Earth, mm-hmm. as everyone says, giving up yeah. his seat for other people. And I mean, this mm-hmm. is Keanu Reeves and he just wanders around. But again, people think it's weird because he talks to people and gives up his seat and is quite happy. And it's not, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the environment, whether people are just, I suppose the mentality of the rush hour in London is they're all going to work. So they're all focused on work or they're all tired going home. The amount of people you see asleep on the underground still in their suits late at night um coming home from work is is quite staggering really i mean you've either got people that are going out clubbing or those that are coming home from work late at night normally from central london from the the sort of banking district and the money district um but yeah london i think london's probably very similar to new york i've never been to new york it is on my list of places to go um I think I know New York because I'm a big social media fan. So I follow Casey Neistat on YouTube, who um, vlogs daily. He's back vlogging daily now. Um, But you see so much in New York through his vlogs um, and the people and the characters. And I mean, he is a a well-known character in New York, I suppose. But um, it does seem uh, he's always on the go. He's a very fast-paced life. But um, but yeah, where I live, South Coast, um, again... It's not the most open people don't always want to talk. You can walk around the shops and you could probably buy, you know, go into a suit shop, buy a suit, go in, buy some sunglasses, buy a coffee, buy your lunch and probably say 10 words to the people in the counters. So some people just aren't open to talking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a very, I don't know where that culture comes from in the UK. I'm not, because we're an island race, I suppose we have to be firm and we've never quit on anything. So I think there's mm-hmm. kind of that stern mentality that goes through, but um yeah the crazy americans are much more open to chang yeah yeah <laughs> could go both ways could go both ways yeah yeah i mean I've, like I said, I've only ever been to vegas and i've been to florida years ago but i went to north florida where it's a bit well that was a crazy place i've never known anything <laughs> like it with alligators and shotguns and all sorts of driving down the wrong side of the road and crazy things but um yeah it's um <laughs> I do love Vegas, and I, I say this every time. People are just like, do you know, it's just a load of hotels and casinos. I'm like, yeah, but there's something. There's just something about it. I don't know. It's not the cheapest place to go, neither. It's not like it's, it's not. like I'm like it's really cheap to drink and eat. No, it's it's none of that. But but yeah. So I you know I've that's my my part of America. I mean, I did stop in Seattle, but I was in the airport for seven hours. So I don't think that really counts as visiting Seattle personally. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I did have a, I did have a coffee. And say, okay. say it was the home of coffee, so that, that was fine. I had a coffee in the airport. It was there you no go. You had the Starbucks in the UK. Well, yeah, yeah. Apart from the service, took twenty minutes to get a coffee, which is kind of worrying. You know, they're taking their time. <laughs> but I'm, I'm well, I think they're roasting the beans. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So it was very fresh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, that's not the excuse that we're using, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of, you know, I, like I said, we're, we're trying to give value back. So the podcast came about, I mentioned the podcast, and it's because I've always listened to podcasts, and also the doc said, oh, that'd be a great idea, and you've thought about doing a podcast, but I think you're mm-hmm. in the same boat as me. It's like, I mean, mm-hmm. I personally didn't think I had anything to give as an individual. Now, I know that's kind of puts me down as the dummy, which I am, and I, whether people would listen to me just waffle on for an hour about anything I'd done the week. So I just kind of think I was looking for something to bounce off. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think sometimes you need that. People don't always want to listen to one person. I know sometimes on Tim Ferriss's, if he just does one of his own podcasts, sometimes I do turn that off. And I'm like, Tim, if you ever get to listen to our podcast, which would be amazing, um, <laughs> yes, I do apologise for, say, <laughs> for saying that. But um, sometimes I just think, oh, you need that energy in the room. And I think that's what, mm-hmm. what I was looking for. And then we communicated and we kind of chatted on zoom for a while mm-hmm. about businesses and what we both want to achieve and giving something back. And I think this was the best platform. Yeah, definitely. And like you were saying too, Phil, I think having that energy to bounce off is so important because I've heard some podcasts like Tim's, if he listens, but others as well that I feel are great. I just felt like I wanted to have that energy in the room so we could add even more value than just one person, because I think two minds are better than one essentially well technically your mind is two times better than mine because you've studied and got a doctor and i haven't so hopefully that makes three minds well who knows we'll see how it goes but (laughs) and that's part of why we want to bring on special guests and do interviews as well so we can have even more value to bring to you guys that are listening yeah and we don't want to just um it's, not, it's going to be educational. There will be some educational stuff, I'd imagine. Um, we'll learn as we mm-hmm. go between ourselves because obviously we both do a lot of personal development. We both study a lot of mm-hmm. audios and book, read books and stuff. Part of our businesses and part of just my everyday general life, I think, especially in terms of audios because it's just convenient for me. And I think, you know, sometimes you, you need that one-stop place to go where you can kind of mm-hmm. pick everything up. So if you can pick nuggets out of what we say whether that's from something I've picked up or something we know ourselves. I think that's something and the platform's great. I think podcasts can reach such a wide platform. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Facebook can be limited to those that only like your page, whereas podcasts, it could just go and go and grow um, because there's no kind of subscription. I mean, you can subscribe to them, but some people just listen as they go. I think that's kind of, kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's my plan anyway. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll learn as we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we're going to learn as we go because we, we were learning for the last. We've ended not this only our second podcast, and we're kind of still working out the technology to make sure it's working. Um, I realised after the first one, I've upgraded to a microphone um, because mine was very flat sounding across the the iPad. But as an app, I think um, if any of you are looking to start a podcast, I'd highly recommend Anchor FM. And I know as a lot of people do do a lot of different things, um, looking on forums and Facebook pages. But this, to me, was just the simplest way. It's just one app, mm-hmm. sign up, the doctor signed up, invite, mm-hmm. away you go. And we can invite up to eight people to be on our interview. Now, that would get crazy because if we're going <laughs> across time zones and stuff, we're going to oh, need no. a lot of videos <laughs> on the screen. We're going to have to have a Zoom on the screen so we can see everyone, so we don't talk over it. I think that's the other big thing with this as well. We, we, mm-hmm. do, we have to have a video call as well, mm-hmm. which doesn't actually make any sound quality things all this we're not recording the video it's not going on youtube which is something we probably could look at later just thinking about off the top of my head mm-hmm. while we mention it um Definitely. 
but it's so we so we can see each other, and that's going to be the same for the interviews. Obviously, some interviews, um, the person will be in the room with us. So I'd imagine if I bring my other half in, she'll be in the room with me. I'm not going to ask her to stay at home, and it won't make any sense on, on vibe, right. right? Um, but but we have the ability with this 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 kind of technology now to get eight people involved, and that would be a epic podcast. Yes, and it's a game changer being able to have all this technology and being able to just connect on so many different levels with technology, whether it's Zoom, FaceTime, Anchor, everything. Yeah, I think, you know, and this wouldn't have been possible. Um, Anchor's, Anchor's only a new app, so this mm-hmm. wouldn't have been possible so much um, as a simple format that we're doing. We probably would have had to go down recording a Zoom uh, sound quality and then putting it through a process and then uploading it the long way. But this, one click, save, update, add the picture, goes across to Apple. Which is brilliant. I mean, I love the fact that you can now search the doctor and the dummy and we're now on Apple iTunes. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's so easy and simple. And I think especially because we're working all the kinks out still with technology, but the fact that it's just a button away, a click away, you know. Yeah, and I think, you know, and that shows the power of social media and technology because obviously we connected on social media. And I think um, social media can get a bad rap. I know with uh, Facebook being in the news lately and the interviews of... You know, Zuckerberg and stuff. I think you can get a bad rap, but I think if you use it right, um, it's so beneficial to not only your business. I mean, I pretty much run my dog walking business through social media. I don't have a website. Um, that's it. And my, I have a booking software that's online that I use, but pretty much my communication is done via Facebook or Instagram. And, you know, it keeps the clients updated and they can communicate. I send them my invoices that way. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I think if you're using social media right, you're going to connect with the right people. That's how we connected and how we kind of Mm -hmm. have this kind of energy and this vibe. And we're hoping this continues and this isn't one of these kind of (laughs) two episode things. I'm hoping we'll reach episode three, which I think we're doing why. I think we're on the track. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're on the right track. So hopefully you've listened to episode one. If you haven't, go back and listen to episode one and you'll realize that I think this one so far, 18 minutes in, to me is going better than episode one. Yes, much more flow. (laughs) Much, much more flow. I think we were still... I think we were scared of the technology in episode one. Yes. We were hoping it was working. We were worried about talking over each other. And I think we can talk over each other. I think yeah. I think we're st- it's, in, it's in my head still that there's a delay, you see, because I know that you're across the water. There's always been that knowledge of, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a delay or something. But I think yeah. if we talk over each other, we talk over each other. Yeah. It's just kind of... It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's the, the big elephant in the room. Have we got any other elephants in the room? Apart from that you're highly intelligent and I'm not. You're intelligent, and they're going to see that. Like, we talked about it in episode one, so make sure you watch and listen to that. But, yeah, I mean, that's the main one is that we connected on social media and being able to be in completely different countries and still come together and be able to do this podcast through Anchor and being able to just, you know, be on the same page about that. Yeah, the same, the same page is a big thing, I think. We use, it's the same in, same in business. Mm-hmm. we've both got network marketing businesses and I think your team you need your team to be on the same page otherwise those that aren't on the mm-hmm. same page are going to drift away stop doing what they're doing or do their own thing I think that's kind of you know duplication is key within the network marketing mm-hmm. businesses um, and we hear it all the time mm-hmm. and I think finding that right person like I knew when I wanted to do a podcast I know there's certain people I think general they're going to be great to interview but mm-hmm. are they going to be good to be on every week and I think actually having someone that is a complete stranger like yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only known you a month now via social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that is kind of, we're learning 
each other mm -hmm. as we go. We're learning how, what each other likes, dislikes, how the business works, how their mind works. And I think doing that in front of an audience is kind of putting yourself out there, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway um, and just jump in. And I think everyone that's listening to this will see that we are kind of hopefully still learning. So they'll give us the benefit of the doubt if um, the podcast goes a bit flat at certain points because we are learning what, you know, how each other kind of operates as well. So that's um, an interesting aspect of this podcast. Definitely. And I think too, like being able to do it with somebody you don't know, like it brings so much more value, but also you're figuring out how you can connect and bring more people in. So like, even though we've only known each other a month now, a month and a day, um, Month of the day. <laughs> but being able to <laughs> really like understand each other, but also like it brings that value to the, the people listening so they can understand too, like how you might need somebody online and be able to connect with them and be able to do something with collaborations because I think that's something I love doing is collaborating because I think we're only as strong as the community we build, especially with being entrepreneurs and networking marketing as and I'm a coach and you have your dog walking business. So like we're constantly connecting with people and learning to work as a team. And that's kind of like what we're doing right now. We're working as a team with our podcast, but I think that relates to whether you're in corporate, whether you're an entrepreneur, anything like your family, your family's a team. Like there's so many different like dynamics when it comes to that. So I think it's really just kind of showing that we're jumping in, but we're making it work at the same time. Yeah, I think if we were thrown in as a tennis partnership, we'd struggle because I think you kind you kind yeah. you kind of need to build a you kind of need to know what each other's doing on there. I think this one we can yeah. get away with because we can ask questions, right. um, we can kind of lead, and then hopefully, if I run out of words to say because my vocabulary is limited, you can jump in. And also because the uh, doc obviously has a background in setting people on couches, um, I'm imagining the questions will be coming at me quicker than I'm firing them back. So I don't know whether that's going to be a major issue. But you'll probably hear more vulnerability from me than you will the doc because uh, she'll just sit there and ask me lots of questions and make me cry at some point probably. Hey, you know, it could go both ways. But <laughs> no, and I think like being able to be vulnerable too is important part as an entrepreneur and being able to tell your story so people can get to know you. Because I think I struggled that in the beginning of my business, being able to really tell my story and put myself out there because I had a lot of hesitations with just in my working in the mental health field that I'm currently not working in. It's really difficult to, because everything's so confidential. And this is kind of the opposite side now where I am putting myself out there and you're putting yourself out there, but also being able to ask those tough questions and that it's going to make people think you know and how, how how many times have you faced the question are you in a pyramid scheme <laughs> um well I just started with my business and it's actually not a pyramid so you know just like yours too but you know yeah, I think it, it's difficult I think a lot of people are skeptics about it and I mean there's so many different opportunities out there and it's not for everybody and like not everyone's going to be interested and like I I just started in February the end of February. So it's still fairly new for me. Um, but it's more about, okay, this person's not interested. That's okay. Like you weren't right for it, or it's not going to be a good working relationship either. If you're like skeptic about it, but then like once you start succeeding too, like people are like, Oh wait, hold on. What's going on? 
Tell me more about yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've been doing mine for a year, um, just over a year now. So people are really starting to go, oh, you're still doing that, are you? So that's that's the big thing, I mm. think. Especially, okay. and, and I say this all the time, the, the business I'm in, it's very female dominated. And I think actually network marketing as a whole seems to be very female dominated. It seems to be something that draws the females in because I think uh, they're less skeptical and they're quite willing to take those chances more than more than the man is. There's going to be more analytical most men that I find and, and women can look past that and go actually this is a great opportunity um, but what in the UK we definitely face the pyramid question quite a lot um, can't be a pyramid scheme it's completely illegal for starters um, mm-hmm. and it would be shut down but um, yeah. I think you know and again it's the vulnerability as well because like you say you put yourself out there and you, you face you know you're going to face these challenges you know people are going to say it's a cult. I've had that one. It's mm. a pyramid scheme. It's all that kind of stuff. It's like, why is everyone so happy? I'm like, I've no idea why everyone's so happy. <laughs> I come from an, a, a negative industry, but people are happy. Just go with it. And um, yeah, I think you know, you're going to get no's. People are going to say no. Mm-hmm. And it's whether you can deal with those no's. And that, I think, is what separates a lot of people in network marketing and in business in general. I mean, if you can, if you can accept that, you know, I think... Uh, the Colonel for KFC had 918 no's before somebody said yes to his recipe. It was some ridiculous, phenomenal mm-hmm. amount. So, I mean, and he kept going. And he was mm-hmm. 78, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. He was not a young man to mm-hmm. be doing this. So you need to be vulnerable. You need to be able to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. You need to understand that people are going to say no, whether that's business, whether that's life, that's relationships. You know, Putting yourself mm-hmm. out there to ask them out on a date is a massive, massive risk. I mean, people underestimate that fact. I think mm-hmm. it's become simpler um, with, with apps, I imagine, with Tinder and stuff because mm-hmm. there's less kind of vulnerability because you're, you're hiding behind the screen again. But to actually ask someone face-to-face, I mm-hmm. think that's a massive, another massive kind of risk you're taking same with having kids i imagine i mean i don't have any children myself but i know you've got to be vulnerable as a parent to accept everything that's going to go with that child for the 18 years you're they're dependent on you so but if you can do that you can do a business that's what i say if you can if you can look after kids you can easily run a business it looks kids yes. look so much harder to me from the outset than doing a business uh, yes they do and i don't have kids myself a lot of my friends do but i think too like going back to what you were saying about the nose it's so common and there you're not going to get a yes right away. And I think a lot of people tend to like give up or think this isn't right for me because they hear no's like, especially when I first started my coaching business, I would hear no's a lot. And now like, obviously I'm getting a lot more yeses. So that's always nice, but not everyone's a perfect fit for you. And whether it's a networking network marketing business or a coaching business or walking their dogs or whatever, or a teacher, like, I mean, not every person connects with you and that's okay. Because you, it's like finding your tribe and like your people that are your community and are going to support you. Because I think a lot of times too, in the entrepreneur world, a lot of people aren't always supportive because it's not your typical nine to five. And I think that's changing now, like in our society. But I think like starting out, it's uncomfortable. It's how are you going to make this work? What is this? But I think it's just like trusting your gut and knowing that these no's are leading you to a bigger yes. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think you're right with the nine to five thing. I mean, I'm the same age as, well, in fact, my company's a year old. The company I'm involved with is a year older than I am. So I'm 37. So I know during my education system that you're kind of led towards that nine to five. You know, we used to do mm-hmm. aptitude tests that would tell you what career you are suited to. And that's where you would lead lead your career to. So my, when I was doing my aptitude tests, um, it started off that I should join fire, police, all that kind of service. And, and, 
ironically, I joined the private kind of industry back within security. So I, I kind of went that way anyway. But by the end of my kind of A-levels when I was 18, my aptitude chain said I should probably be a teacher, which I probably am coaching and teaching now within my business. Mm-hmm. So and doing things like this and giving back on social media. That's kind of coaching to an open level. I, I you know, I don't think all coaches are paid. I don't think all coaches need to be paid. Mm-hmm. If I'm giving value back on social media and people are taking them, that's me coaching somebody mm-hmm. in an open forum. That's that's the way I look at it. I don't know if that's the same the way because I know you run a couple of Facebook pages um, to mm-hmm. deal with decluttering people's lives. And I don't know if you feel you're coaching people through that kind of medium. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think part of it is I do like to give value. I ask questions to kind of get people thinking because I don't, as a coach, I don't give the answers, right? And you know that too. You want to help them figure it out on their own so they can be without you later on. Like I want to coach myself out of a job always because I want to make sure that I'm moving them forward. But like on my social media platforms, for instance, one of my um, Facebook groups that I have, it's solely about decluttering your life, but also like finding where you can optimize your time. So being able to do like live videos, things along those lines, and just bringing content a couple times a week. So people are getting stuff, but like with my clients, I dig a lot deeper. So it's customized to what they need, but I do love giving value. And that's something sometimes I feel like I might give too much value, but I'm okay with that because I know when I work with clients, it's customized. So everybody's different and everybody needs something different. But I think the overall aspect of it is just constantly giving value because like there's just so much to give I feel like and the more I learn the more I can give too yeah that's what I touched on your point there say sometimes you think you overcoach on these Facebook because obviously your business is your coaching business is driven around Mm -hmm. clients wanting to come to you so if you Mm -hmm. feel like you're giving too much away for free does that affect the way you bring business in or do you you rein yourself in or do you think you know what I'm gonna put myself out there if they get something from it and they enjoy it, they're going to sign up to, to what I do anyway. They're going to subscribe to to my ideas and they may get something else. So whatever I'm giving for free, because a lot of people mm-hmm. won't watch all your videos. They'll watch one and get some note for free and they may never watch mm-hmm. another video again. They may never come to you, mm-hmm. but some right. people may watch one of your videos and then come to you and want more coaching. Now you may have given those tips in a previous video, but mm-hmm. a lot of people won't go back and watch more videos. Now me, mm-hmm. completely different. Like, I've gone back through pretty much every YouTube kind of follower. So I follow uh, a lot of t- photographers, obviously, my passion. So I follow mm-hmm. Pete McKinnon from Canada. And obviously, I said I follow Casey Neistat, um, Ken W, and a few others. That, And I will go back and catch up those videos, um, which I think the idea of YouTube um, and almost, I suppose, podcasting as well is it gives value. In, you know, everything should be a standalone. Now, Mm-hmm. Casey Neistat is a unique one because he vlogs every day so when he was mm-hmm. doing it before it was episode 300 and you know all the way through the whole year he's kind of changed it slightly now but he still vlogs every day so there is a narrative that goes through there is kind of a story that would make mm-hmm. you want to watch every day now there are only seven minute videos but mm-hmm. I know if you're giving a, like you do a coaching video on one of your groups mm-hmm. some people will just watch that one and then contact you to say what else is it you do what you can do for me and I suppose mm-hmm. that is you giving enough value mm-hmm. just to kind of hook them in as, as, as using a fishing analogy you want know, <laughs> to just cast out there and then bring a few in I suppose yeah I think with especially my videos I mean now I just do them in my private group instead of putting it on my business page um, because I want to make sure I'm targeting the audience that needs it the most um, but I think with what you're saying like sometimes 
because I have a business coach because I feel like it's important as I grow, I want to be able to grow. And if I'm not investing in myself, hey, why would Rich, Richard, Brun- Richard Brunson still got a business coach. And I mean, he's a yeah. billionaire. So exactly. Yeah. I feel like I'll always have a coach. Um, but I think it's been so influential on in my life because my coach has made me up level so much, like with her support and the accountability. And I want to be able to do that for my clients. So I think with giving value is important and it's more about like the mind shift too, like being able to see what's possible for my clients and like while providing value, of course. But the thing is because everything is so customized to that person and their lifestyle, that's what's most important to me is showing them that, okay, these are tips that are going to help you. But in a sense, I might be doing a disservice because I'm leaving them hanging if it doesn't work. Like one tip might be helpful for one person, but not the other. I mean, it is pretty generalized, but they might get stuck again. And I don't want people to get stuck. But I mean, I think it's just when they do, they do reach out. They have in the past. Um, But I think that's pretty much what it comes down to, just being able to provide that value and move forward from there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few points in that that obviously stand out to me. Mm -hmm. So let's put the coaching into a sporting arena. If a team Mm -hmm. only has one tip and one way to play, they're never going to win games because people are all shut them down. Mm-hmm. So let's take American football, which isn't football, it's American throw the ball. Um, <laughs> don't get me wrong, a huge American football fan. I'm a New England Patriots fan and have been for years. But don't woof me. You're I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's that's your own choice. If you want to be a cheesehead, you crack on. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, those those teams that have never really progressed further than where they are, are normally a running team. They normally just have mm-hmm. you know, the running ability. They don't have the ability right. to have a, a QB that can throw, a QB that can you know, do a running game or can do anything else. And I think you get stuck. And that's the same for kind of any sport in the UK, you know, soccer teams, as you like to call them. So football teams in the UK, you, you find those teams that are one-dimensional, that will just kick the ball long and have a lot of quick players up front. They get shut down quickly. And, you know, the, and I think that's where they get stuck. I mean, it's the same with people. If you're only giving one tip and you're only trying one thing all the time, you're never going to progress. You need to get out of your comfort zone, try something new, like podcasting. If you want to try podcasting, give it a go. Um, and just, just go beyond that. And also the accountability. Now, um, accountability in anything, I think, is massive now. It's something I've never really looked at. But even when you look at going to the gym, if you have a somebody you go to the gym with you're accountable to them and I think that's massive I think people do better at gaining strength or weight loss or improving their cardio whatever it is they're trying to do if they're doing it with someone um, and I mm-hmm. think the, you know the only problem with a coach and accountability is you can also be someone to blame mm. that's an interesting you know, way to look at it <laughs> well it is because I mean it, when you think so so say you start let's we'll put it into a sport analogy again so the manager of most football teams, if the football mm-hmm. team is doing badly, it's the manager that gets gets blamed. He's the accountable one. Yet he never touches mm-hmm. that ball on the pitch. So how is right. it for you? So, so you're the coach to somebody in their life coaching, mm-hmm. and they don't progress because mm-hmm. they're not doing what you say, but they're accountable to you. Do they blame you, or do they blame themselves, or do you put blame at them? Do you try and lead them out of it? Which which can't be easy. Yeah, no, no, that's a great question. I think. Because I was actually thinking of an analogy with that because like in cheerleading, when I was a cheerleader, I was a flyer. So the one they would throw up and when like we would have performances, if my stunt fell, it would look like, oh, it was the flyer's problem, like Caroline's problem, not like the people lifting me, but their grips could have been off or they couldn't have caught me or something like that. Right. 
but I think when it comes to being a coach and accountability, it's, I think it's easy to blame the coach or be like, this is your fault for not getting me to where I want. But it's also like, are they taking the actions? Because I can't force somebody to take action, right? Like they have to stand up and do what they need to do. And I think it's easy to place blame. But in my experience, my clients take responsibility for their actions and we work through it. Like what's going on? Why weren't you able to accomplish this? And it's not in a rude way. It's just figuring out what's going on to preventing them from getting to where they want to be. And I feel like I've been really lucky with the clients I've had, so I have no complaints. Um, (laughs) But I think it comes down to like, what actions are they taking? Are they just waiting for something to be handed to them? Or are they actually doing things? If things aren't working, then we figure out what's not working and make it work. So that's where like I come in. Yeah, and it's finding those people that are also, yes, yeah, and accountability, you need to be accountable to yourself as well. And I think it's finding those right. people that can hold themselves mm-hmm. accountable. Um, and this is obviously more geared, and I keep going back to sport, I know, but solo solo mm-hmm. sports, they hold themselves a bit more accountable where they don't, right. they may have a coaching team, they may have this, that, the other, but they still hold themselves, you know, they don't blame anyone. And we're talking about uh, sort of highly egotistical sports. So take the 100 metres uh, dash as they call it, mm-hmm. sprint or whatever you want to call it nowadays. Um, 100 meter dash, I don't know how old I am. I'm going yeah, back like to a 100 yard dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 100 yard dash. So Usain Bolt, Usain Bolt, or whichever way you want to put it, he's he's accountable to himself. He's the one that's doing the legwork, literally doing the legwork. Um, so, but he's always humble. He's always accountable to himself. He never kind of blames coaches or anything like that. And I know within the fighting game, I can hear your dog whining in the background. Is your dog all right? Yeah, yeah, she's fine. Uh, see, that's how good we are at this podcast, and we got all these uh, these background noises. Um, but yeah, so you can look at um, sort of the fight game. Fighters can quite easily blame their coaches, and they can quite, um, you know, blame anyone they want. But um, it's difficult if that fighter is not accountable. The fighter is the one that's in the ring. The fighter is the one that's doing doing the do, so to say. But they can literally say, oh, "I've had an off camp." Um, my cardio was off, my weight was off, um, this was wrong, and they kind of chop and change. But you find those fighters that do well, um, that are kind of at the very top of the game, um, or have been at the top of the game, they're normally very humble, um, they never blame anyone, um, you know, they take accountability for themselves, and they, they, they tend to keep the same coaching staff, they don't chop and change their coaching staff. And I think that's important as well. Once you find your coach, you find something that you get on with, which is Obviously, what you do, you need to find clients that go on with you. Um, right. And once you find that bond and that connection, I think you're always going to develop. You're always going to grow as a person. I think that's what everyone should strive to do is grow as a person. And that has been dumbed down with the nine to five jobs, I think, personally. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I wanted to ask you, like with your team and networking marketing, like how, how do people stay accountable to you like in growing their business as well? Um, so we kind of we do so much coaching so much online calls that we ask them to set their own goals so they kind of you know and then we we speak to each other so you know do you want me to chase you down do you want me to press you are you one of those you have to take each person on their merit some people don't want to be you know they want to be left alone you know I'm set my goals and I'll go for it if I don't I'm not you know we'll we'll work on it we'll move and you get those kind of people but I think you have to 
learn the individual same as what you would have to do you have to learn those individuals to say right this person is going to need me to put my boot up their ass every so often um because they want they, you know, that's if they want to build a business you know there's those that may just want to join the business for other things so our business is very um focused on personal development on growth so some people join just for that element and they will say to you look i'm just here because i like the atmosphere i'm going to learn i'll do some bits and pieces but i'm not going to this isn't my fault. I don't want to run with this business. I don't want to grow this business. And you go, that's fine. And you help them in every way you can. So for those, you know, you recommend books, you recommend audios. And eventually I think those people will start to run the business just out of habit more than anything. And I think that's something that looks at, but then you get those others that are like, right, that's it. I want to run this business. I want to be very <laughs> top within six months. Um, but you need to pressure me. And you're like, right, okay, brilliant. Cause I've no idea what to do myself. So we'll just run together. Um, and I think you, you get those. So you can literally, you know, if you ask the right questions of the people, and I think it's finding the right questions to ask. And that is, to us, as simple is, do you want to walk with this business? Do you want to jog with this business? Or do you want to run with this business? And asking those three simple questions will let you know how much pressure and how much accountability they want to each other. Because they'll, they'll set their own targets. And you can tell when they come in and go, oh, I just want to do this much this month. You know they're walkers. And people go, right, I want to do this much this month. You know they're runners. Um, and you know which ones you kind of, can let slip for a bit and once you can kind of chase especially when your team gets bigger i think you're kind of you're never going to keep up with everyone once you start hitting high numbers so and it's duplication as well duplication people will follow from the top um but you are going to bring people into the business that aren't duplicates of you that's just the way it is i mean m- most of my team pretty much are duplicates of me they're, they're all men um in a very female dominant business they're all kind of been in a sporting background or from yeah. the same industry that i'm in so they kind of have that understanding um, of where I'm from and I think that's kind of key as well being able to you know duplicate going down in the process and that's key in any part of our family as well I mean mm-hmm. how many how many kids do you know follow their parents footsteps there's you know it's, it was always a big thing um you know kids always if your dad was in the army you join the army this especially in the UK you could be a third generation you know soldier because your granddad did it and your dad did it and I think that's that's duplication within the family Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I see that too. And a lot of times people are like, maybe they don't want to be like their parents, but then they realize certain behaviors are very innate and like, oh my God, I turned out <laughs> like my mom. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I feel like I got the best qualities from my parents. <laughs> but no, I, you're I, only saying that because they listen to the podcast. That's it. Yes. Because they yeah, listen, you're going to, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's exactly why. No, I mean, I, I think like just even working in, like with people in general, you see that like a lot of times they might say like, oh, I don't want to be like this, but then they end up having those behaviors and they learn to love that behavior of that them. It might not, and they make it work for them. But I think that's like another aspect of duplication too when it comes to family relationships or dynamics. Yeah, and I think, you know, and, and imagine as that's your background is in family and child mental health kind of area, um, mm-hmm. that'd be something that you'll have a, deeper knowledge on than me because as we touched before my my family dynamic is not um i'd say not typical but i suppose nowadays actually i think divorce is higher than people staying together so i think that's kind of a common thing now but obviously my dad left when i was two not that you know people say i am like my dad but i think we're completely different i mean he when i look back now he ran his own business for years so he was an entrepreneur before entrepreneurs were kind of and i mean he even tried network marketing when i was a kid because i remember him trying it so i know that he has done this 
So mm. there, when people say, you, you just like Dad, and I'm like, nah, nothing like him. And then I look back and go, actually, he's had his own business. He did do network marketing <laughs> for a bit. Um, maybe I am. Um, I'm just taller. That's all. I'm just taller than my dad, and I've got more hair, but kind of upsets him. He's going bald. <laughs> but yeah, I think the, the family dyma- dynamics is a. You, le- I think you learn. I think people undervalue, under, undervalue, underestimate how much you actually learn from that family dynamic, and it's a one that you know. Some people don't want to be like their parents. You know, some people don't, and I think, or I, this is my own personal opinion from an outsider, what it seems. American parents kind of lean on their kids a little bit more to succeed. Um, I know this that common thing about the you know, the weekend dad that never did well in his sport, so he wants the son to do well at the sport. And I think that's a, a damaging person. I think that's quite damaging towards the kid if they are literally trying to live, relive their youth through their child. I think you should let the child kind of, if the child enjoys the sport, then yeah, that's fair enough. But it's the same as you know what I do with my my team, my business. You need to understand. You can't put pressure on your kid to do something that you weren't able to do yourself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there are individuals out there like that. I don't think majority. I think it has shifted a little bit, but I think it's just difficult sometimes because honestly, family dynamics have changed so much, like the culture of it, what that looks like. And some people that might not have a family, like their friends are their family. And I like, it's just so different in the variety that you can like experience. Like, I think I've seen so many different types of like family dynamics, just from friends and close relatives, things along those lines. But I think it does come down to like the weekend parent too. Like if they're working a nine to five job, but it's really not nine to five, it's like 80 hours a week. They don't have that time or the energy to give to their family and they want to. It's just sometimes like because of finances and trying to juggle everything, it's really difficult. But I know we'll talk more about that later on. Um, yeah, because I, I want to I want to come back to that because I've, I've watched some documentaries um, over here about gang culture, and I know gang mm. culture is obviously bigger in America than it is over here. There are gangs over here, but and and you know, and when they interview them a lot and say, "Well, these are my family," yeah, you know, they feel more connected to these these gangs and culture because they're yeah you know, they they get that kind of love in a very strange way that they weren't getting from family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It, like, yeah, like you said, it's, it's just different. Everybody's different. And I think too, just the dynamics change because based off of the person's personality or what they need, because I think as humans, we all need connection. We definitely do. But I think what we want is different for everybody. Like, I mean, how we connect with each other one-on-one or in a family setting can shift too. Yeah. And that, you know, I think that's as people grow. I think I've lost, not lost, but I've drifted away from friends that I was friends with for years in the security industry because I've changed as a person over the last two years, kind of, okay, I haven't been out of the industry that long, but I was kind of different towards the end of my career. And then I changed. And once I start to develop myself, like I said, with audios and books more then some people think I'm a bit weird now, but um, I think that's because they're, they're stuck and I'm growing as a person. And mm-hmm. I see it myself and everyone tells me yeah. every day, you're completely different. You're a better mm-hmm. person. You have a better mm-hmm. understanding of things. Um, because I think that nine to five mundaneness actually dulls us all down as people. And whether you listen to the likes of Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo, when they get onto one on, their, on one of his podcasts about it's a government conspiracy, they want to dumb down the population. So there is no kind of uprising of this this mm-hmm. kind of you know, people against against what essentially is one person running the most powerful country in the world it is it is as joe rogan says and I, and I say the same it's a crazy situation that that one person be that 
the nutter that you've got in charge at the moment, who is hilarious, by the way. I do love Donald Trump. I think he's one of the funniest people on earth without mm-hmm. actually meaning to be funny. But he is the most powerful person in charge of 300 million people in your country. So his decision rules over 300 people. And it's a very strange situation we find ourselves in. I think there is a shift. There is a change. You know, People are realizing this. Um, you can look at that with the mm-hmm. kind of even the cannabis growth of legalization in America. That's that's yeah. people power. That's people power putting something that is like, this is wrong. This has always been wrong. What, why is mm-hmm. this not changing? And I think Denver, Colorado, um, and I've studied it quite, mm-hmm. looked at quite a lot, is an absolute brilliant case to say, look, it's generating more money that we're actually giving tax back to our people because we can't spend the money enough from the marijuana sales. Crimes mm-hmm. dropped in terms of major crimes. I think they're they try and twist the statistics mm. on crime. There are other kind of misdemeanor crimes, I think, but but they you know they're having less. You know they're putting all the money back into the education system, which can only, in my eyes, mm-hmm. be a good thing. I mean, as much as right. I kind of, I have two views on the education system. Everyone needs to be educated. I get that. You need to have doctors. You need to have nurses. But I think a lot of the education systems is literally leading people into that nine to five job, which we don't all need to do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And like kind of going back to what you said too about entrepreneurs and like the mindset, the mind shift where like you're growing so much by listening to podcasts, listening to audios and just self-development. And I think working a nine to five, it sometimes reduces that amount of time you have for the creativity because as an entrepreneur, you're doing a million things at once always because all the back end stuff that people don't always see, they see like the highlights because you don't have time to post your entire life on social media. None of us do, even if you have all the time in the world. But I I think it goes back to like, you're constantly wanting to grow and develop. And when you start to grow and develop, it shifts and like not everyone around you might be on that same path too. So I just wanted to mention that because I think it's really important to add that value back to like yourself, you're feeding your mind. Yeah, definitely. And you're right with the highlights thing. I mean, when I was in Vegas, one one of the speakers on stage said, you know, she was talking about her child and his failings within his sport. And he was like, why do you show him, why are you talking about this? Why are you showing this? Why don't you show him the highlights? And she said, well, without this, you don't have highlights. Because without the lows, you're just, it's just a flat line. There is no highlights within that. So without those kind of, you know, everyone wants to show their highlights. Everyone, you know, everyone wants to show the money, show the holidays and do all that stuff. But they, you need to show that it's a real thing. You, you do fail. People do fail. You know, I'd be... The amount of people that said no to me in this business is is crazy, and then the amount of times that I failed on, you know, my fitness goals, and I need to put that out and say, look, didn't hit my targets, nowhere near, not even close. But I think you need that vulnerability because people go, actually, he's really grinding, he's really done what he needs to, and people need to see that that is possible, you know. And these, we always chat about these kind of uh, sort of PTs, these like Dan Bilzerians and stuff that just put themselves out there, who is a physical specimen but they don't show his grind so much. So The Rock to me, and I love The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm. I think if he doesn't make president, then there's something <laughs> wrong with the world. Just his smile alone will just cure most wars in the world, I think. I mean, that's a, a bit guy. of a man crush. <laughs> it's a bit of a man crush of mine is, is The Rock, and he will be one person that I'd love to meet. He just seems like a nice guy. Um, but his work ethic, you know, he, he's in that gym. He is doing the grind, and he shows that. He doesn't just show him posing. He shows him working out. He shows the sweat. He shows the blood in his hands. He shows that what it takes. And the same with this is, you know, with all the business. He says, you know, he shows all the 
um, like the worldwide tours that he has to do to make a film like Jumanji, which a lot of people put down because obviously um, it was such a great film with Robin Williams and everyone thought it was going to be a bit of a, a taint on you know Robin Williams' legacies. But actually, with the way they did it, it was very good. But he had to put the grind in and he knew that he had to put that grind in because he said, you know, we are basically treading on toes of one of the greatest acting comedians right. and stand-up comedians to ever, ever live on this planet. And it's very sad that, you know, the way that Robin Williams ended his life. And, and that's, you know, something I'm sure we'll touch on that kind of thing later on, later on the yeah. podcast as well. But The Rock's right. work ethic, I mean, just that alone, if he, that, he has that work ethic to be a president. You know, he's up early, he's doing everything, he does the do. Have you seen the, um, the advert where, uh, is it the Apple advert? Where Siri says yeah. his schedule's full and he goes off and does something else crazy. He says, we'll soon no. see that. It's a great advert. YouTube, it's The it. Rock. I think, it, I, think it's, I think it is Siri. I think it's, it's Siri or Alexa or something. It's one of those kind of voice things that they, they puts out a challenge. Like your, oh, your cool. schedule's too busy and he goes, oh, I'll prove you wrong. Um, but yeah. Oh, awesome. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, so I don't know where I was going with that, but The Rock, Man Crush. Sorry, I get lost when I talk about <laughs> The Rock. What, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> Heart just going fast. Uh, <laughs> just about work ethic and everything else. But yeah, yeah, yeah work I ethic. think. So, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is, you know, people are saying Donald Trump doesn't have that work ethic. He has the businesses, he's got the, the, the money behind himself. But as a president, people say he watches more TV than he does work, which is kind of worrying as a man with that much power. But, um, mm-hmm. and that's probably why he has a high turnover of staff. I don't. You know, those, if you lead from the front, like mm-hmm. my old boss, as I always said, my old company was a great company and he will lead from the front. He is not a CEO or an owner of a company that sits back seat. He is frontline um, in the security industry. When we do events, we do music festivals. He doesn't just go, right, there's my managers, there's my supervisors, see you later. He is there mm-hmm. pretty much from the start of the morning to as late as night as he can push it and then he goes home at night and he lets the night team on night stuff. But he leads from front and people respect that. People know that he, if there is an issue, he is going to, he's going to go to it. If he's possibly can, if he's free, he's going to be there. And mm-hmm. everyone follows that lead, you know? Right. It's why, lead by example. Yeah. It's why Steve Jobs was loved and hated by his staff. He, he, you know, he was up late. He was doing things. He developed things mm-hmm. himself. Okay. Wozniak right. was kind of the, the brains and the intelligence behind it, but he, he went out and led it and, and kind of did those things. And that's why people admire those kind of people. And same, go back to YouTube, Casey Neistat, one of his, mm-hmm. one of his jumpers says work harder. I mean, that guy, people don't know what he's done or what, you know, they just seem as a YouTube guy, but he's run businesses. You know, he, he's just folded his last one in with CNN that he sold CNN for, God knows how many millions. Um, he used to, you know, he went out and did his own HBO series with his brother, and he had a viral video before viral videos were even a thing. I mean, he had a before even YouTube existed. He had a viral video with um, iPod batteries having short life and saying it was a bit of a con because then you'd have to go buy a new one. And then he did a. It's really old. It's from God, when was that? Before YouTube even started. But that was a viral video, and he was out working and grinding with VHS cameras knowing that that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to do videos and that's kind of, he travels the world. All right. He gets perks yeah. and luxuries. You know, he's always upgraded. Yeah. You know, his videos are always like, this is a $60,000 plane seat. And you're just like, well, that's just crazy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and he gets, yeah, yeah. And he gets that for nothing, you know? but he, he's working. He doesn't get those perks without the work. And that's what, that's what I think right. people need to understand. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't walk into a network marketing business and make your way to the top. 
you have to put the ground the groundwork in. It's not like it's a short term fix over over three months and you're suddenly earning thousands, which people seem to think you do. I think you know in any business. I mean, I had to put the grind in for the dog walking business, mm-hmm. um, and in a year now I'm fully booked. So for a company that's not even a year old, it's a year old booking. That's amazing. On, yeah, yeah. On on Tuesday, so the first of May is when I first took my first bookings in a year ago. I started the company before that, obviously getting it all incorporated and doing that kind of stuff. But that you know that wasn't just by me sitting down on the bum and twiddling my thumbs and hoping people came and booked me. I had to put the work in, do the advertising, mm-hmm. get some leaflets, and and find. And I grew that from social media. Luckily, I had some friends that had dogs that were happy for me to walk in the beginning and use them as as poster dogs almost, um, yeah. and then go from there. And you get that word of mouth, and mine's grown word of mouth, which is quite good. Um, I think word of mouth, as we always say in network marketing, who who would have thought word of mouth marketing actually works? But it does. You know, my, my dog business has grown the same way as my network marketing business does. So. Yeah, and it's all about people want to trust you too. It's like building a relationship because I think a lot of times some people might just try to sell their product to you and not really get to know you of what you need, what you want. And even with coaching too, I'm not out there saying, okay, you need a coach. It's maybe this is right for you or not. That's okay too. Who can I refer you to? So that person is still getting what they need because I think that's the ultimate aspect is getting your needs met because not everyone's going to be able to help you, you know? Yeah, but being able you, to have that word of mouth. Yeah, and the and the trust thing's right. So if if, if you know you bring a client out of there, you know, on a ten week program, whatever it is whatever it is you sign them up to, if at that end of that ten weeks they're like, Do you know what, my life's so much better, I'm more balanced, um, you know, my home life's improved, my business has improved, whatever it is they're doing, they're gonna recommend right. you. And that's right. you know, having that positive mm-hmm. outcome and make but you're not you're not looking for that positive outcome to get the next client. You're looking for that positive outcome to help the client you're dealing with. And I think it's having exactly. that care for that each individual person. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what I do with the dogs. People people understand. And I tell them, mm-hmm. I tell them full blank, as soon as I meet these people, I said, they kind of say, oh, how did you get into business? I said, well, I have a love for dogs. So I'm here for your dog. And then I'm here for me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm here for you. And they're like, huh? I said, well, I'm not here to appease <laughs> your kind of guilty conscience that you're at work. Mm. I want the dog mm-hmm. to have the best dog walk, the best experience that the dog can possibly have because that's what the dog needs. And that's why people go, do you know what, you, yes, sign me up because mm-hmm. they know they're getting, you know, there's videos and I do all the Instagram stuff and all the dogs are GPS tracked. And I kind of say to each, each owner, look, your dog isn't suited to a pack walk, but I'm happy to fit your dog in around what I do because I like your dog and the dog, I feel your dog has something to, to offer to me and I have something to offer to your dog. And hopefully that will then pan out that it will come back to you and you'll have a better home life with the dog. Because I do tend to attract the trouble dogs um, in my area, which, you know, the bigger dogs or the dogs that others won't walk because they're stubborn or that, that kind of thing. But to me, you know, it's, it's a dog and each dog, the same as a human, they have individual needs and people exactly. need to understand these dogs, they don't do well in certain situations. And I think understanding that. It's great. It's great for my business anyway, because those that don't want to walk a dog, they come to me. Exactly. So it's a win-win for everyone. It's a win-win for everyone, yeah. So so that's, we're well, coming up to an hour now, and I don't want to drift on, because otherwise we'll be here all night. But um, so we kind of touched on the elephant in the room. That was like five minutes at the beginning, and then we went off on one. <laughs> well, that's what happens. But yes, we did touch on the elephant in the room and being able to understand why, how we met and why we're doing this again. Um, but our next episode will be about it's the why it's why we're doing this 
Why? Well, it's, yeah, I think I think it would be why, yeah, as in why we're doing this, and then obviously looking at people's whys as well, and un- making people understand what what why means to them, because a lot of people, you know, they have their why, they just don't know what it is, and he's digging out of them. So we'll, we'll look at that, I think, as a concept. Definitely. Cool. So I think we'll say goodbye. That's come up to an hour. Um, okay. I hope so your, goodbye. Dog, dog, your dog came in all right. Yes, she's fine. <laughs> she oh, likes to make an appearance. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. She's going <laughs> to make. You know, imagine my. She imagine my dog and my cat will make an appearance. My cat's currently asleep in her vet basket. She won't get out of it. She's very strange. Um, so yeah, but um, we'll say goodbye and we'll see you next week. We're going to do this weekly, so episode three, um, the why will be next week. So speak to you all later. Bye, guys.